fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at C4Energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Switzer. I am the Clydesdale. I am so honored and privileged to have with me today, Jarrett Smith. What's going on, Jarrett? Not much, Scott. How are you, sir? I'm good. You know, we, we were talking uh, by DM last week a little bit. Sure. Our paths have crossed so many times, <laughs> and yet we've never met. No, it's uh, it's interesting. I've I've been uh, almost a shadow um, behind an athlete or two as you're chatting with them or speaking with them after events at semifinals. Um, and the events when you're at semifinals, you know, it's just absolute organized chaos of people going a thousand miles in each direction. But uh, no, I'm excited to finally uh, get to <laughs> have a few words with you. Well, and it's crazy because I I know about you because we've been following Sydney for yeah. the entire season yep. um and you play such a big role in her career sure and so you have been a topic of conversation uh for sure um it's just we never have formally like shook hands <laughs> yeah. met introduced each other you know our sports really interesting like that there's a number of people um that i see two or three times a year maybe and just stay in close contact with uh through instagram and text and just i have a a, a close group of friends that we kind of come together a couple times a year at these events to uh finally get to see each other so yeah it's a it's a really cool space we got so if the audience doesn't know Jarrett is a coach at comp train he coaches i have a list of four elite athletes um probably good on the list i'll let you know if we're missing any um, I have Sydney Michalishan. I have Caroline Stanley. I have Logan Luce. Logan Philo Los. Okay. Yep. Uh, Lucy McGonigal. Yep. Uh, and Lucy Ann just starting to work with um, Allie Weiss a little bit this year too. So she's uh, okay. She's great. So, but yeah, I'm I'm very very um, fortunate to be able to work with people that I have. So it's it's pretty cool. So I'm going to come back to them in a second. And you said sure. Allie Weiss as well. Let me go ahead and put her on my list. Um, keep these notes for future for reference. Sure. Um, so I said to you before we went live, you don't have much of a footprint online. Sure. So we're going to learn a lot about each other. So the first thing I got to know is where did you grow up in this wild country? Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up um, in Maryland, so in Baltimore, Maryland. So uh Grew up in there, lived and moved to just around Baltimore County, lived in Baltimore City for a little bit um, as I got older and really didn't stray too far from there. Um, high school, all in the same area, college within 45 minutes of of the space. So um, pretty much until moving up here to Massachusetts was just in uh, mid-Atlantic, go Orioles, go Ravens, all that good stuff. You had me at Orioles, you lost me at Ravens, but... <laughs> Um, football is a much you know, more divisive fan base than baseball is. <laughs> uh, one of my, one of the highlights of my life is I was in a previous role with my job. Uh, I had to go to Baltimore Yep. and, um, 
uh, I said, well, if I'm going to be there and we were on the inner Harbor, we stayed on the inner Harbor. So the food was fantabulous. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to be there, I'm going to Camden Yards. Yep. I've always wanted to see it as a kid. Went, uh, it was Orioles, Yankees, third inning, it started to snow. <laughs> oh, you were there for that game. <laughs> I was. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Camden Yards um, is beautiful. I, I, I'm extremely biased, but I find Camden Yards to be the best stadium in all of baseball. Um, and it has been hard to be an O's fan for a long time up until this year, the last like year and a half where uh, uh, it's enjoyable. But yeah, Camden Yards is great. Baltimore, also a very underrated food city. Um, it's a really, really cool town with a lot of charming characters. So definitely worth a stop. Yeah. Uh, that day, um, as I was leaving, I went out through center field and there was a little like hot dog shop and they were serving lobster mac and cheese hot dogs. <laughs> There's the, the food, the stadium food that they have there is really, really good. And then you go out past center field. There's a couple bars, pickles and sliders that you go to before and after a game. So yeah, Camden Yard is a very cool spot. Boog's Barbecue in the stadium. So it's a, it's definitely worth a stop if you're any sort of a baseball or stadium fan, for sure. Yeah, I hit Boog's as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was good, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, enough about Baltimore. So you grew up there. What was yep. your athletic background as, as a kid? Yeah, so growing up, um, a lot of baseball and soccer. Um, played that through high school. Picked up track and field in high school as well. So, um Soccer in the fall, track and field for indoor in the winter, and then baseball um, in the spring. Went to college, continued to um, run track and play baseball through college. Um, then graduated and just did a little bit of everything. I still played on like a semi-pro baseball league around Baltimore for a little while. And then a buddy of mine um, and a team of us signed up for an, uh, a Tough mutter a long time ago. And one of my friends was a member of a CrossFit gym and he said, Hey, why don't I bring you guys to my gym and we'll do like a, a team workout, just have some fun together. Um, and I got my tail absolutely handed to me and just like everyone else, their first experience, just like never left the gym and just kept coming back. Yeah. So, so back to, so what'd you play in baseball? What position? Um, yeah. So uh, a little bit everywhere in high school, but then I got to college. I was a pitcher mostly. Okay. Nice. That's so, that was my my gig as well. Oh yes, pit, pit, pitcher, first base, third base. Oh yeah, corners. Yeah, and being a, a tall, uh, long, lean pitcher does not exactly translate extremely well to high level CrossFit performance. So that's also another thing where like I recognize I like the sport, um, and I would like to be a part of this sport at a high level, um, but I don't think I got it. Uh, I don't think I got it in the cards to be able to take this thing that far. <laughs> so why not? Coach? And then it. And then in the track and field world, what were you doing there? Yeah, uh, field events, jumps. So high jump, long jump, triple jump. Okay. Yeah, I was field events, discus, shot put, javelin. I played a little bit with shot and disc my senior year of college to try and uh, do a decathlon, but never quite materialized. But yeah, the the jumps the jumps were my thing. The crazy thing for me is track was my off season. Yeah. Uh, it was just something I did to like chill out. Yep. Uh, Cause I was a, I was a high end swimmer. I played football Yep. and I played baseball in the summer. So track was just my, I didn't really care about it. And I did shot and discus like the first three years of high school, my senior year, we were down a javelin thrower and they yep. asked me to jump in and I won the event. <laughs> it's not bad. That's not bad <laughs> and at all. Then, 
So then, of course, they wanted me to be serious about Javelin for my whole senior year, which is like the last semester of high school period. Yeah. And that's the last thing I wanted. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do miss it. The, the, the long meets, like I still love watching track and field on TV. And there's a lot of stuff um, that you can pull from other sports. I mean, uh, from training methodology, methodologies and coaching and stuff that you see in track and field that we can kind of kind of pick a way at for stuff that we do in here. But yeah, track's awesome. I love the Olympics. The U.S. Nationals just happened. Like Watching people that are um, really good at the thing they do, race in the thing that they do, is just so fun to watch. It is. Which brings us to CrossFit, right? That's what it. That's what it's all yeah. about. Watching the best of the best uh, do what they do, and so you you join a CrossFit, you get sucked into a CrossFit gym, yeah, and then you much. see it, and then you don't want to leave. Pretty much, yeah. So um, <clears throat> went in, and so this was 2011, 2012, I think, was when I first um, went in. It was Push Five Eleven in Baltimore, still rocking. Now I think it's a twelve year affiliate now, so they're killing it down there. Um, and yeah, just for the first like six to eight months, just really did what everyone did. I lifted too heavy. I did movements I shouldn't be doing and just could not get out of the gym and then started to dive a little bit more into exploring wanting to be a coach there. Um, so I went and took my L1 and I think anyone who's taken their L1 has had that same experience of, um, I don't know, I don't know what it is about it, but this is the thing that I want to do a lot more of. So in the previous career that I had, um, I was still working a full-time job and then just coaching a class or two a day or like four or five classes a week. Um, and I wanted to do more and more of that. So at a certain point I, um, left my previous career and then I was working in, um, a Globo gym at one point, managing a Globo gym and doing some personal training, but still coaching my classes at my old CrossFit gym. And they got to a point where I just went all in and was uh, fully bought in on being a full-time CrossFit coach. So doing one-on-one sessions in a gym, programming for anyone and anyone that would um, give me the time of the day in my gym to help them learn first pull-ups, first muscle-ups, teach them how to lift better, um, and just get as many hours and reps as I possibly could doing it because I absolutely loved it. And then... um, did that for a few years and then fast forward and Comtrain had a job posting on their Instagram one day. Um, and I saw, I saw, I thought that would be cool. I didn't think a single thing would ever come of it. Um, so I just did a quick one minute video, submitted my resume. Um, and then over the course of the next couple of months, uh, having some back and forth talks and was fortunate enough to be offered a position and move from, uh, Baltimore up to Natick and been here since, uh, 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. And, doing uh love it so i'm gonna i'm gonna rewind you a little bit yep how does a degree in sociology help you uh in the fitness industry so when i was in college i dabbled in just about every single major you could do i was i i'll call myself a crossfit athlete of uh of majors in college so i started as a physics major at a certain point I then went to exercise science for a second. Turns out I should have just stuck with that one. Um, psychology and sociology. And then I walked into a sociology class um, and it was just, I really enjoyed it because we were in a room talking about people and talking about ideas. And I'm not shy to have conversations in big groups. And I really enjoyed the debate and the back and forth that we had there. Um, so I found my spot and I just stuck in there. And I think 
what was really cool is you you learn a lot about different people from different backgrounds and you you learn a lot of empathy to understand different people and 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 just how different people can be depending on where they come from and you just pull all that together and i think it allows me to really make good connections with the athletes that i work with um and the athletes in the gym whenever i coach classes because it really is something that lights me up and what i love about coaching is i get the chance to have these extremely um close relationships with the athletes that i get to work with on a daily basis and at the same time i get to work with them to chase this thing this wild and crazy thing um, every single day and continue to learn to turn the dial to fine tune this thing as much as possible so I guess it's it's helped me um, really get to a point where I can connect my athletes on a on a personal level. So I think you're my spirit coach um, because when I was in college, I just I would spin the wheel of majors uh, for that semester uh, and and just head down that road. Um, I should have just listened to my 12 year old self because then I wanted to be a sportscaster and what I'm doing today with this is pretty yeah. much what I should, I wanted to do at 12. Yeah. It's, um, but it's, then yeah. grownups mess it all up for a little while. It really is. It's crazy how um, everyone's path is going to be different and there's going to be detours along the way. But if you can just have, have some moments in your life where you just have the awareness of where you're at and you try to think about the place that you want to be and you just take that next step. Um, if you, even if you don't know what the, what the path is going to look like to get there. It's like walking through a dense forest that's full of fog and all you can see in front of you is the next step. And it's like, I don't know what it's going to look like past this next step, but I just know I'm headed in the right direction. So as long as I take this next step, I can then take a look and see what the next step will be. So it's just being okay with not knowing what's going to come, but knowing the direction that you want to get to and just taking a single step in that spot. And if you continue to do that over time, you typically end up exactly where you want to be. Fingers crossed. Yeah. My only problem is I did it at like eight or nine different schools uh, before <laughs> I graduated. Three, That's okay. three different states, eight or nine different schools. That's all right. I took a year yeah. off in between too. I, I went for three years, took a year off in between uh, to go work and we'll say grow up a little bit and realize that um, I did want to finish and get my degree and, and do all the good things. So I went back for another two years, was able to finish and keep going. And that's just the thing. Like everyone's path is going to look slightly different and there's no right. There's no wrong. It's just whatever that looks like for you is, is going to be okay. And it's just finding moments to have some awareness and some intention in what you're doing. And if you do that enough and take in around you and take the, the steps forward, you'll, you'll be okay. How much of that applies to the elite athletes that you're coaching everything and getting them to understand that the path is different for everybody. Absolutely. Everything, especially in a sport that is so complex. Um, and you're working with athletes that have different strengths and different weaknesses. And not only is the sport complex, the sport changes. It, it changes ev not, not just every single year, but every single competition that you go to. And that's something that's really unique about our sport. So our sport, is decided every year or every competition that you go to by more or less one person or a small group of people that decide, okay, at this event this year, our sport is going to be this. And it's going to be 
um, no dumbbells, gymnastics, and uh, running. And then another event will go, okay, that's really cool, but I interpret our sport to be this. So in a sport that is constantly varied almost to a fault sometimes and unknown and unknowable almost to a fault sometimes, to be able to um, try and keep athletes more in the middle than riding the wave of emotions is really important. Um, and, and being able to really try to remove expectations from the equation and, and have everyone realize that, just like you said, everyone is going to operate at their own pace. They're going to improve at their own speed. And what worked for one person is really cool for them, but it might not work for you. And that's completely okay. And one of the big things that I've, that I, it's almost like a broken record um, with my athletes is we go, um, effort, execution, and no expectations. Cause the only thing that you can really control on a day-to-day -day basis. And when you get on the floor in these events is the level of your effort. Can you put out a full level of effort every single time? Can you execute the workout to the highest level of your ability? Um, do you need to break this set of muscle ups or do you not like, what is the best way for you to do it? Um, and remove expectations. Expectations are nothing more than just the cousin of comparison and comparison is the thief of joy. So if you remove expectations from the equation, it allows you to really just stay focused and centered um, and focus on those things that you can control, your level of effort, your level of execution. I love that. I love the 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 part where you said that uh, expectations are the cousin of comparison. <laughs> I think we could all use that because, you know, even in this business, yeah, you know, every podcast has numbers. Yeah. They're all viewable. Sure. Some of them are real. Some of them are not. Yeah. And the minute you start comparing them is when you lose sight of what you want to be. Yeah. hundred percent. And if you just think of the way, like what is, and, and that thing, I like you can apply it to everything. Like what is the best level of effort that you can put into hosting a show? Like what is the research that you think that you should do before talking to someone? And then how can you execute it? How can you flow the conversation as good as possible and connect the questions and then revert back to previous questions and just like over time, just 1% that thing every single time and slowly get better, slowly get better, slowly get better. And it's, it, it just works. You don't need the expectations of, Oh, I need to do this to get this many views, or I need to do this to finish at this spot on the leaderboard doing that actually tends to do the exact opposite. It's like, it's like if you had a butterfly in your hand, it's like, and you want to keep the butterfly here, you just need to have a loose fist. Cause if you squeeze too tightly on the thing you're trying to chase, you're just going to kill it. Yeah. So I, I want to go back to your journey. Sure. Your coach, your coaching, um, at push, you are, you become the head programmer at some point. Yep. Was the comp train ad that you responded to the re the realization of something you had kind of pictured in your head or was it the moment you, where you sat back and thought, I want to coach elite athletes? Yeah. So, um, probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, I had the fortunate case to, um, coach. Uh, so we had an athlete that was in Baltimore. She was there for school. And she was from overseas. Um, her name's Krista Kresker, and she qualified um, as the national champion for Latvia in 2019 when we had the national champions. And she was at my gym, and I was programming for a while. And when they announced that they were going to do this thing, she was like, I think this is something I want to chase. And I was like, awesome, let's go do this thing. 
Um, so um, continue to work with her. We were lucky enough for her to qualify and qualify for the games. Um, so going that year in 2019 was kind of my first my first taste of of what it's like to to be in the space and be surrounded by um, the other coaches and athletes um, that are operating at that level. And it really gave me a chance to kind of keep my head on a swivel and look around and just see how different coaches carried themselves, like see how Ben and Kat were handling themselves back in the warm-up area, looking over at um, Matt and Tia working with Shane at the time and, and how are they were preparing themselves. So being able to do that, um, really kind of uh, accelerated the thought that this is something that I really want to do and I want to do at a really high level. And then when that um, job opening posted, that was kind of the, well, it'd be cool. Um, and so I went for it. And then just the fact that um, CompTrain as an entity in this space and Ben as an entity in this space has been something that um, has, has sat at a really high level for a long time. And it was just a really cool opportunity to come up here and see how it's done at a professional level um, and just learn from some other really high level coaches um, in the space. So a little bit of both. So now I'm going to ask for like a little behind the curtain thing. You, you go up to, um, I, you call it Nantic or I think. <laughs> yeah. So it's Natick. I used to call it Natick, Natick. but it's, it's Natick, Massachusetts. Yeah. Natick. Okay. I've always just said Boston, but it works, you know, yeah, it's tomato, enough. tomato. Um, so, so you go up to Massachusetts, let's do that. And how does it work? Do you come in and then you get assigned athletes or are you there to just kind of uh, get some mentorship and then you go out and seek your own athletes? How does that work? Yeah. No. Um, so initially it was, um, I was up here working, um, on our app and our programming and doing, um, coaches, uh, coaches notes and, um, stimulus notes for our athletes around the world that follow the app and helping doing videos. Um, and then also coaching classes at CrossFit New England. So, um, really a lot of behind the scenes stuff in the app to help with that, doing some video stuff, um, as well. But, um, I, at the end of the day, I really wanted to be in the room, um, where Kat and Chan and Sam and Amanda and all of them were training. So I basically just asked Ben, I was like, do you mind if I just keep my mouth shut and be a fly on the wall and just take splits? So for a little bit of time, I was just in the room, listening to the conversations, getting to know the athletes, um, seeing what it looks like at that level and really just trying to digest as much as possible um, and just writing down interval splits on a whiteboard and um, doing the video, the uh, setting up the camera in the room so that they could watch video replay of the session later on in that day. So it was really just me trying to get myself in there any way I could and learn as much as I could. And then from there, um, started to grow a little bit more. Um, Sid came into town to visit um, at one point and we hit it off really well and started working with Sid. Um, moving forward a little bit from there, made some relationships with a few remote athletes um, that um, I was working with and work with now. And then um, speaking with uh, Lucy, um, she had an interest of working with someone and getting to know Lucy and working with her. So it's kind of been a slow build. Uh, and then Caroline, just um, she was recommended to us from her gym owner down there because we have a common contact with our coach up here, Dan, who used to go to that gym. So I reached out to Caroline and chatted with her after semis last year. So it's just been a slow build 
of making relationships, learning what I can, applying the things that I think work and having a small amount of success. And it's just, it's been really cool to, to kind of see it all happen. So, so in essence, you're building the relationship with the athlete and then you become their coach and it's, it could be through, they were remote athlete through the app or that they were recommended or Sid just showed up one day and you guys hit it off. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, if we have athletes in the app who qualify for semifinals and they require a slightly high level of touch, we'll reach out to them um, and start working that way. So it's just, um, there's no, uh, I, we don't go out and try and recruit and like go get other athletes from other places. The way I look at it is if if an athlete has an interest and wants to work with you um, and they will reach out, that's awesome. And if you make a connection with someone and they feel that what's in the best interest of their career is to work with that coach, then that's awesome. Um, I mean, it, there's another, there's a high level principle I have. It's to be an athlete first coach. And that means no matter what it is for the success of that athlete, that's the path as a coach that I need to take. And if that means um, that a coach, an athlete wants to seek out something else, um, if they feel in their hearts, that's the best thing for their career, then that's great. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of different, ways to just build that relationship because i really think if you don't have the trust in the coach athlete relationship um it's really tough to make this thing work well and for you it's it's almost a catch-22 like i just i just said to you i tried to research you i had limited resources to do so yeah i've been in the space since 2011 yeah i didn't know you till i till we connected with sydney to do the documentary yep. so for you you're, you're not, and I, and I mean this oh, with no. all res, due respect, Absolutely. You're, you're not the flashy name yeah. that people know as a coach in this space. Yep. So the fact that you have the level of athletes that you do with basically just word of mouth or connection sure. um, is, is astonishing almost. I appreciate it. Um, it's, it's really important to me to be uh, there's different motivating factors that I think people have with, with wanting to be known or respected. And I think that um, I've done a decent enough job of um, just kind of staying quiet, trying to learn as much as I can, um, applying the things that I've learned and helped some people have some, been a part of some people having some levels of success. And I think with that and just being able to connect with people on a human basis makes such a big deal. Um, and they know that I care and they know that I believe. And I think if you have someone that truly believes in you, it helps elevate your performance a lot. And I think that's something that I do a decent job of because every single person I work with, um, I care and believe in them so very much. So I appreciate that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go to your athletes and I'm going to start with the one I know the best. And that is Sydney. Yeah. Um, you know, when we have her on and we had her on throughout the season, like she talks about you with such reverence. Um, and you can tell that the two of you have formed a bond and a relationship that, um, that she is going to be loyal to for a very long time. Yeah. Sid is going, I'm sorry. No, 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 please. 
Yeah, Sid. Sid's awesome. Um, she is a bright light in any room that she walks into, and it's hard to not um, want her to be a part of your group or your space um, wherever you're at. And when she came to town to visit and see if this was a place that she wanted to be a part of, um, we hit it off pretty well. And, we, and then we had to do the remote thing for a little bit, but um, she's great. She is just a as genuinely kind and nice and authentic of a human being as you're ever likely to find. Um, and she makes it very easy to want to go to bat for her and make myself a better coach every single day in order to give her the highest level of support that she could possibly get. I can completely understand that because just knowing her through this show, I want to defend her at every turn, every step. Um, let's talk about her season real quick because yeah. she was she faced a lot of hardships this year yeah. that she never uses as an excuse, right? You'll, ne you'll never hear you it. know, you know, visa issues, um, having to be in Canada for significant parts of this season, yep. um, and not being with you one-on-one, -on -one, which is where she normally is. Yep. You, you get to semifinals and it doesn't go as planned. Yep. Um, so what is your job as a coach at that moment when you know that you guys have faced obstacle after obstacle, after obstacle, you get to this moment and it doesn't end with that ticket to the games, which is almost expected for her at this moment. Yeah. Um, it's spot on. So, there's two types of athletes in this space that have success at, at this level. Um, there's that when workouts are released for events ahead of time, you have the athlete that um, when they practice the event, it goes fine. But when they perform it on the floor, they, um, they exceed their expert. They exceed what they do in practice. They are just someone who um, will perform better on the floor every single day than they do in training. Then you have other athletes who um, the way they test it ahead of time, is pretty similar to the way they perform it on the floor. Like they have an ability to, to go to that place in training um, and then mimic it and perhaps do a little bit better on the floor. Um, what was so interesting about this, this result for Sid, when you see so, like something just not line up so well is Sid is the latter. She is the person that when we, when we know events ahead of time, um, how she trains them is how they perform on the floor. So when there was such a misalignment from how they were tested and trained in um, practice and training at the gym versus what happened on the floor, we had to step back and take a look at what could have been the thing that did this. And we had a full day conversation and we wrote um, every single combination of things that could have possibly went wrong on a board and we addressed them all. We identified some things that were inside of our control. And we also identified some things that were outside of our control, um, but just when you have such a misalignment, and I hate to use the word, of expectations for someone who um, had she performed those tests in person the way that we practiced them, um, this would we would not be having this conversation right now. Um, but then to come out on the other side of that um, was tough. It is, and I think it highlights a, another thing that's interesting and unique about our sport where these athletes are asked um, to train all year for one weekend. And that weekend is not the games because 
the 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 perception of an athlete season is if you did not make it to the games your season was a failure um and i do not believe that i do believe that the game should be the ultimate testing and proving ground and crown the fittest on earth awesome but um the the pressure that these athletes are being put under to train all year for what they think and coaches alike what we think is going to be the sport when we show up that day and if one thing goes wrong that weekend and that peak performance doesn't align with those six or seven events over the course of those three days um that pressure that built up and when the when it doesn't happen um that equal high amount of pressure is going to have that equal fall off on the other side um there is a grieving process that these athletes are going through when they get that close or the thing doesn't go through. So um, that's why, and I'm almost getting a little emotional now. <clears throat> that's why it's so important to have these relationships with your athletes, because when these things happen and they happen to everyone, there's this path has been laid by so many athletes prior. You look at Chan last year with his asthma attacks. You look at Sam Quant the year before that with his allergic reaction and not being able to perform. Sid this year, it's like, it's so hard. You have to have the relationship with these athletes in order to help them go through this full stages of grief process to get on the other side, to get them to a point where the fire is reignited back inside to chase the thing that they want to chase again. And it is hard <laughs> to say the least. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, I think I have a, something to illustrate that. I'm going to try to pull it up fast. Sure. I actually have it up already, so it's cool. <laughs> so this is something that my researcher, Holly Dugan, made for the documentary. Yep. And it's, it's a graphic of the three athletes we were following at North America West. Yeah. And every color is, the, is an event. Yep. And she made them bigger or smaller, depending on the points they earned in that event. And you can kind of see, like, it's such a roller coaster. Like, yeah. the weekend is just crazy. So, yeah, I'm going to share this. It'll be in the documentary, yep. most likely. So, uh, you get a little sneak peek of this. So, this is, um, so the top one is Emily Rolfe. Yep. The middle one is Kelly Baker. And the bottom is Sid. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to, pull. there we go. <laughs> okay. There we go. So you can see like at moments in the weekend, yeah. Sydney is leading the other two. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a it, navigating a semifinals weekend or a multi-day event weekend, specifically semifinals, just because of the, the, the stakes that are at play here um, is a skill in and of itself to be able to manage not only the emotions of the weekend, but to manage the appropriate efforts in each event and execution in each event in order to scrape points where you can and not lose points in other events where you have the highest opportunity of losing points. It is, it is such, and you said it, it is a, a roller coaster to execute an experience at a, a semifinals weekend. It's hard for them. It's hard for everyone. If you look at this and you look at the pink event, which is yep. event four, Sydney has a significant lead over Emily. Yeah. And a slight lead over Kelly. Yep. And then with one event, it all flips. Yeah. Um, what event is that? So that's four or five. Oh, so that's the run event. Yeah. So yeah. 
And that, and that's the other thing, like you bring up a really good point, like scoring in our sport can vary from event to event, from competition to competition. Sometimes it's a 50 event, sometimes a hundred point event. And like, if you don't hit on the right events, like you said, that flip can happen real hard and real quick, especially on a four minute event like that. Like it happens fast. And and what's cool with this graphic for, for you and Sydney is yeah. like Kelly Baker was the cut line. Yeah. Right. I know. So you like, you know, like where all that is. So the margins um, and the margins in this sport just keep getting more narrow and more narrow every year which makes the the feeling and expectations of pressures of these semifinal weekends even higher, which on a quick tangent, which is what I love about what Wadapalooza is doing out West. They're adding another elite level competition to the calendar where these athletes get another opportunity to express their fitness and do their craft on an elite level um, and not just have all of the pressure in the world going on while well, I, I, I need everything to line up for these three days. Yeah. Don't steal my thunder for my show tonight. <laughs> um, Chelsea Miller says living in Canada is a hardship. <laughs> what I was saying was not what? being with Jarrett was the hardship, yeah. not necessarily where she was at. I am a massive fan of, of just about all the Canadians in our CrossFit space as well. Um, they are all extremely kind and, and really fun people to be around. But, uh, yeah, it, it's cold up there though, too, man. It's cold. <laughs> well, and the reality is, like, we all know Sid. One of Sid's biggest holes is is running, right? And 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 we talked to Jeff Adler too. Like, he can't get out and run <laughs> until late into the spring. Yeah, and he, and he actually determined because of that. He as soon as he can, he goes and does that. Yep. And he was making him peak too early. So that's. It, it, that is a thing like and that's a whole nother thing like getting having things line up properly so that you have your athletes peaking at the right time it's it is it is such a fun puzzle to try and put together throughout a course of a year um but yeah it's a challenge and I, but i think that's also what why we all do it so the the heartbreak that that sid experienced going through that and me as well um i would rather us be in a position to experience all of that because we're putting ourselves out there in a public stage to chase a thing that is an impossible thing to chase and feel this thing after coming up short rather than not put ourselves out there to chase a thing and just sit in the gray middle and not really feel those things. So like, I would much rather us go through these things. We're going to come out better on the other side of it, no matter how much it just is gutting to go through in the moment. And Chelsea responds, yep, running in negative 30 degrees Celsius is unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, it gets, it's a funny thing. It gets cold. So we're just outside of Boston. Like it's cold here, but Sid got here and she's like, this is great. It's, and she's right. talking Celsius. So I don't know what it means, but she's saying it's like some sort of Celsius here. And I'm in three layers in a, in a parka and she's in like a tank top and she's happy as heck. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had those conversations with her as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to move on. I'm, man, we are flying through time here. Um, Caroline Stanley. Caroline. Um, going to the games. Yeah, really cool. Um, she's I'm, I'm not right even now. sure she was a one of the top picks to make the games from that stacked East. Yeah. and I, um, But there she is. Yeah, and that's what I absolutely loved about it. And, and I, 
I told I, I told someone else in the space at one point, they asked me, they said, tell me about Caroline. What do you think? And all of her training metrics um, coming out of quarterfinals and leading up to semifinals were looking so, um, so strong and moving in the right direction that I told them, I was like, in this stacked field where everyone knows who's going to go out of the East for the women. Like everyone knew who was going to go out of the East for the women. And I told them, I was like, Caroline's going to ruin someone's day. Like she's going to show up. And she's going to be one of those people that at the end of the weekend and they announce her that she's going, you're going to go who? And, but like she over the course of the last year has been um, an absolute joy to work with. She is just like one of the kindest um, people you've ever met. She will take over if she, if she has a splash at the games and gets an interview on the field, she will um, take over the strongest Southern accent this CrossFit community has ever seen um, in this space. But she is, um, Awesome. She is an absolute workhorse. She is as kind as you could hope. And everything that happened to her at semifinals and her punching her way through is just a testament to the work that she's put in all year. And it couldn't have happened to a better person. And she's out of North Carolina, right? Chapel Hill? She is. North Carolina. Yep. She came out of, um, so College Hill CrossFit is her home affiliate down there <clears throat> that she works. So she works out at her gym at home, her garage gym at home and College Hill CrossFit. College Hill CrossFit, I don't think people realize if you're looking for the next great female CrossFit athlete, you should just go there. Um, the Weiss sisters, Haley Adams, Caroline, all out of this one gym in College Hill, North Carolina, um, <clears throat> just producing some fit young ladies. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I we've had her on the show before uh, when we do our semifinals run, yeah. um, and so nice. Yeah, she's just great. So nice. Yeah. Um. So then, so then it begs the question. Before we get to the other athletes, is the roller coaster right yep. for you as a coach? Week one, Caroline punches her ticket. You're moving to the games. Week two, Sid doesn't do that, and now you've got that to deal with, which we've already talked about. Yep. How do you keep the even keel? I think so. Um, the th the whole three weeks when we get to Lucy, like I experienced every single emotion I think you could experience in this sport. Like um, the feeling of helping someone punch their ticket to the games for the first time and being there for that. Awesome. Um, week two, um, like we just talked about with Sid, like absolutely gutting. And then week three, um, escorting a 16 year old through her first professional level semifinal, um, which was the lowest stress level out of all of them, but such a different experience. But I think one of the things that is my strength as a coach is um, I think I do a decent job of rolling with the punches relatively well and just trying to be as aware and present as I can with not letting those highs get too high, not letting those lows get too low. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's hard. It's, it's so hard because you do develop such good relationships with these athletes and to experience all that it's, it's tough. Like I'm still feeling the thing from both of those. Like I'm still wildly excited that Caroline's going to be there and get her chance to do this and, and live her dream. And I'm all still equally as gutted that I don't get to be there and do it with Sid and Caroline at the same time this year. So it's, it's hard. And any coach that tells you it's not as uh, not being fully honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I I've talked about it with other coaches and it's, it's, it's a tough, 
I think I was talking to Tristan Patrick, who was in his first year really as an elite athlete, yeah. and his team unexpectedly does super well in the West. And then he's got a handful of athletes that don't do as yeah. well. And then it's, it's just riding those highs and lows that has got to take its toll. It's tough. And there's also, so not to sound robotic about it, but there's ways to kind of like processize it where you like have rules as a coach that I follow that allow me to not bring one experience with another athlete into my conversation and interactions with another athlete. So it's, it's trying to be aware and manage those relationships and manage those emotions on both levels and just having some principles and rules that I fall back on that help um, just help that to be a smooth process for everyone. So then you have Logan, um, who is also a coach at CFNE. Yeah. Um, what's it like coaching her? And what was that like? I'm, I'm guessing her expectations. You know, I keep saying the word expectations. Sure. I know you hate that word, but her expectations weren't as high as some of the other athletes, sure. but she finishes 33rd, yeah. which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and it's a great starting point for someone who's trying to be competitive. It really is. So she came into this year. So she qualified for semis last year and was at the Atlas games. And when she started to, when she came to CFNE as a coach, um, I was talking to her about it. And she said that last year, like that was the box she wanted to check. She was like, I just wanted to go to one semifinal or one regional um, and like that would scratch the itch and that would be the thing that I wanted to do. And I talked to her um, and I was like, well, what if you just what if you just what if you trained a little bit and like had some fun with it and we just saw what happened? And that's kind of how the relationship started. I started writing some programming for her, um, and she would. Logan, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm so fortunate to work with the people that I get to work with. Like Logan is, Logan is awesome. Like she just, she walks in from coaching the class at CFNE, giving full effort energy, walks to the other side of the room, gives a couple like old man twists like this as a warm up, and then hops into a workout to, to let it rip. But she's awesome. And then, so we, we go through this. She does quarterfinals. Quarterfinals go really well and she feels pretty good about it. We go to semifinals. And like you said, um, she crushed like she did so well in um the linda event she handled the legless rope climbs so much better than she ever anticipated that she was going to like and we had only worked together for like not the whole year a short time so the fact that i get i get a year to to kind of continue to work with her um i don't think she realizes um how sneaky fit she is um to to be able to show up to some of these things and and just kind of unexpectedly just kind of worm her way in there. But no, Logan's awesome. It was so cool to see what she did this year. So Tristan must have knew I was talking about him. So he jumped <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> um, and then we moved to Lucy, who yep. 16 years old, you mentioned that, already been to the games a couple times as a teenager, won the games yeah. as a 15-year-old. Um, so then you, she makes it into the adult elite division as a 16 year old. Yeah. You say that like, that was the easiest thing to deal with. And it was it one, because it, she just needs the experience and placing doesn't matter or because you have plan B, she's going to go do her thing on the teen division. A well, little bit of everything. I mean, first off, like what were you doing when you were 16, Scott? I can tell you what I was uh, not doing. <laughs> 
I was not doing anything at the level at which she is doing from like a maturity level, uh, discipline level. Like you speak to her and like, you don't realize that she's a, like you said, a 16 year old young woman, um, doing her thing at the level she's doing. So it's really cool. But the, the, I wouldn't say ease is the easier, but what you said, it's, it's that we already had the conversation going into it with Lucy. We're like, if everything popped and everything went as, as perfect as it could have, and you sneak your way in as an adult, um, we're still not going to accept the invite. Um, that's not the responsible thing to do for her at this stage of her career. She doesn't need that. What she needs is to continue to develop as a, a person first, as an athlete second, um, and still be able to be a teenager and go to concerts with her friends and enjoy high school uh, or whatever level of school they call it over there um, and do all that. So it was it was getting her to get the experience and and not be intimidated the first time that it does matter that she's in the warm up area with Annie Thor's daughter on a bike, three bikes down from her and that all of these athletes are. It's not that she's just there as a teen at the games and they're doing their things like, no, you're on the same leaderboard as one of the legends of the sport that everyone looks up to and that you've looked up to growing up. So getting her to be on the floor and look down the lanes and realize that this is a thing was a big part of the experience for her. And the other was, like you said, we had no expectations of her doing anything there. And we knew that the thing that mattered, her getting to compete as a teenager was already in the bag. So we could really use this as such a big learning experience. And um, behind the scenes, the the conversations and just the flow of the weekend for her to experience all of that at that level, um, it was so fun to be a part of that with her and, and kind of help guide her through that and give her as many nuggets as I could. But then at the same time, you have to throw them in the deep end and have her learn to swim at the same time. So it was very, very cool. Um, Lucy and her family are great. Um, we have no expectations as to what her career path is going to look like or what it should look like. We do know that in the distance, and I think Lucy would echo this as well, um, the big goal uh, for anyone in this sport is to be on the podium at the games and at the end of the day, be at the center of that podium. But the way we look at goals is, you basically just take that goal and you put it on a shelf and you just let it sit there. Um, you look at it every once in a while, it guides you a little bit, but you don't over obsess on that thing because there's so much that is outside of your control when it comes to chasing that thing. But for Lucy, it's just her progress will be at whatever rate it needs to be. We don't expect her to be the next 17 year old to qualify for the games next year. She will progress at the rate that she is going to progress and she will end up exactly where she's meant to be, whether that's as a 17-year-old at the games next year or a rookie at the games when she's 22 and doing her thing. Whatever that looks like, um, as long as she's happy, having fun um, for right now, that's that's really just the big thing. Didn't plan to go down this route, but, but we're going there now because of this conversation. And that is no secret that yeah. recently big-named athletes have taken a step back Yep. who were great teen athletes and moved into that elite division. Yeah. Um, citing burnout or whatever it is that, th that they're citing. Yep. And first and foremost, my biggest concern is that they are healthy and that, that whether they come back to CrossFit or not, 
they find what they need to find yes. to be better. Hundred percent. Because of that, it did you have these plans for Lucy before this was happening, or because this happened, are you being even more cautious? Yeah. So um, we had had the conversation basically at this prior to the open um, about what our our thought process was for her season and had that conversation with Lucy. It was, hey, Luce, um, I think that you have a chance to qualify for semifinals as an individual. Um, what are your thoughts? Would you be interested in doing that? And she lit up. She was excited about it. I was like, awesome, cool. Um, but then the kicker to that was, even if something were to go really well and you were to qualify, we're still going to deny that invitation because that's not really what's going to be best for your development as an athlete right now. So a big part of it is those plans were already in the works and these conversations, I mean, it's, it's easy to say now, but believe it or not, like we're already in the works as well. Like the, the pressure that comes with being a professional athlete, um, especially in this space. And we've talked about the pressures of just qualifying for the games as the checkbox to whether or not your entire year was a success or not. Um, we've had those conversations um, from day one. So it's, it's something that, and I, and it's not even just these conversations I have with Lucy, like I have these conversations with other athletes as well. And it's just letting them know that your identity is not wrapped up in the sport you do or the job that you do. We can chase these things and do it at a healthy level and just trying to constantly bring uncomfortable conversations or thoughts or feelings to the surface and know that having those thoughts or feelings and conversations are not a bad thing. They're actually a good thing and they're actually the right path that we need to take. So um, it is important that we have these conversations. It is important that these young athletes don't feel the pressure that can come along with these things, especially as sponsors come knocking because Lucy does have some sponsors. She's a wit athlete, but the good thing is her sponsors have been great with not asking anything of her, no posting requirements, nothing like that. Her parents are incredible. Um, they are just, they keep her and everyone grounded. Like they're great. Um, and it's just an ongoing conversation to make sure that it's fun, that it's not everything and that they're still able to do other things that they want to do in life and have fun. And the other thing is like not putting those pressures of expectations on them. And this is not me saying that this is what is happening in these other scenarios, because um, unless you're in the room, you have no idea what's going on in those conversations or anything. And that's not to say that the path that uh, that we're taking with Lucy um, is the optimal one. But I can tell you that it is a thought process that I have on the regular and the conversations that I have with Lucy on the regular um, to make sure that we're letting this thing be fun and an enjoyable experience for her. All right, I'm going to follow up with this and you can choose to answer it or not. And I respect sure. either either decision. Sure. And that is, are these conversations based on the athlete or the age? And will you reevaluate whatever that is for Lucy at 17? Um, so the conversations, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, are not necessarily based on the age um, of the athlete. These are conversations that um, I have with athletes of all ages. Like there are very similar conversations I have with Sid that I have with Lucy. Um, 
so the age isn't as much of a factor. It's it's still at its heart. The athlete needs to feel calm and comfortable and enjoy the thing they're doing and not feel the pressures of everything coming in around them. The other part, do those expectations and conversations change when she turns 17? Um, and no, uh, they don't. Um, this is going to be an ongoing thing, whether she's 17, 18, 22, 30 years old. You could ask the seniors of this sport um, if they still feel that pressure and i'm sure that some of them would tell you it's still a thing that they have to be conscious and aware of in order to still enjoy the thing that they're doing so our expectations of lucy are no expectations and it, it goes back to the thing effort and execution with no expectations and that is not just in a training and competition sense it's in everything we do we just need to put the effort into these athletes at the highest level we can not just as performing on the floor but as human beings as well execution like we need to execute on the things that we want to do with them and having those conversations and having them at a high level and then removing all expectations and what ends up happening when you remove all the expectations is there's a calm that's created it allows the athletes to flow it it, it opens up the blood vessels it lets people just do the thing that they want to do and do it at an extremely high level because the more the expectations come and the pressures come the more tight and well and tight everyone is and you only get to a point where it just explodes after a while. So it's really just trying to have these conversations and they don't stop when she's 17. They won't stop um, when she's 22. And nothing would make me happier than to be having a conversation with you, Scott, in 10 years talking about all these athletes again and having had a successful career. So that. So I'm going to ask one more question because I think we're diving into the sociology aspects now. <laughs> I want you to use that degree. So hypothetically you have a 24 year old athlete yeah. just starting in the sport. Somehow they have a, a freak weekend where they qualify for the games, but developmentally, if they go to the games, it could actually be detrimental because the, what they put on the athletes at the games is very different than semifinals. Sure. You would have that same conversation with a 24 year old to say, we're going to decline the invitation because going to the games will do you more harm than good. I understand um, that it would be athlete dependent. Um, I think the big part of the, the conversation with Lucy with that, if you get the invite, we're going to decline it is because of her age and the runway we have with her. We don't need to try and have the peak of her career being the youngest ever qualified CrossFit athlete. Like that's a disservice to her. It's a disservice to the community to get to see like, how, like what a development looks like true for her. Um, as a 24 or 25 year old, that runway is a little shorter. So that conversation is going to be different and it's different for every athlete. But the big, one of the big things for that decision going that route was her runway is so far that just being a cool thing to check the box as a 16 year old that qualified, um, that doesn't do it. We want to send her there, um, when she's ready to show up and, and do her thing. And I think a few of the 17 year olds recently have done that. Well, I, Emma Lawson has done that very well. Like she showed up, she handled Emma Carey when she went, like she was a, she showed up and she belonged. So like you want to make sure that when someone goes, um, at that age, that it's the right call because they have such a long runway of development that there's no need to rush it if you don't need to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Your coaching counterpart, Tristan, gives you applause. That's Christian. On that okay. answer. <laughs> All right. So 
I usually cap these an hour. Do you have about 10 more minutes? Yeah, you're good, man. All right, cool. So Ali Weiss. Yep. Uh, perennial team athlete um, with Invictus, correct? Um, she, I don't know. So she was on a team last year, I think, and the year before at semis, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So she decides she's going to go individual. Yep. And now you're wor- you're starting to work with her. Yep. Um, did that happen post semis this year or pre semis? Um, uh, post semis. So she came up okay. here for quarterfinals um, with Caroline's because her and Caroline um, from the same part of North Carolina. So she came up um, and had quarterfinals here um, and just had a good connection. Hit it off. Like she's a really, really, and again, broken record. Like she's a really, really awesome person. Um, and is a really sweet and kind uh, human being. It's just really, really awesome to know. Um, but um, and then continued her training through Invictus, and she just posted that she had a, a hip injury that um, flared up for her heading into semifinals, which unfortunately kind of pulled back what she was able to to really do there. So right now it's it's early days, and we're really just working on um, helping helping her get. Um, healthy and enjoy the process and just taking our time right now. So, um, she's, she's great. And her and Caroline are like best friends down there. So they get to hang out, do some training stuff together. So it's a, she's awesome. Um, Allie is awesome. So of your five athletes, you have two pretty much on site and three remote. Yeah. So Sid and Logan are here pretty much full time. Um, the others are remote. Lucy's here for the remainder of summer until the games, which is very cool. Um, and Caroline's here for this week as well for a last little, uh, little prep, but yeah. 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 You got to do that right before, for games prep. Got it. Yeah. Got to get in with the coach, right? It's been a, it's been a lot of fun too. They So let me tell you, so Caroline and Lucy together as a pair, um, are toxic in the very best way. Like they both just want more work all the time. And they, it is this, this back and forth dance with those two for me to have to pull the reins back on them. Um, but they are having an absolute blast together um, running through this thing. It's been, it's been a fun week. And Sid's there. I, I've seen pictures. She's pushing them. Yeah. So that's the thing. And and to Sid's credit, like she is in a com- completely different um, part phase of her year training for where she's at right now. So she's only like, maybe two and a half weeks back into a fairly regular normal program. So she's just ripping the bandaid off and hopping in with them to give them a push. And she's giving them a push. (laughs) Well, and Sid has home runs, right? That she's going to, she's going to be able to push them on certain things. A hundred percent across the, so Sid, Sid's such a cool athlete across the board, like consistently across the board. Um, I'm a big believer. The more, the more tests you give her in, in a, in a, in a competition, um, she will continue to slowly creep up and climb. And Wadapalooza this year was a great example. Um, it was just this onslaught of events. She did individual end team, but she just was so consistent across the board. And then she does have like some home runs. Like she dropped the hammer on the squad yesterday uh, or the day before on a, on a rope climb event. And it was really fun to, to watch and see because like the level of fitness that uh, Sid has um, is really impressive. And the fact that, She's come back and she is only two or two and a half weeks. And we've started to do a little kind of preseason, early season testing to kind of see some benchmarks where we're at on some aerobic stuff. And she's already PR'd like two of the, the 
the early season test, which is such a higher floor than you typically start at coming out of a season from the games. So I'm crazy excited about what this this longer runway is going to look like for her coming into semis next year and, and this build. So um, she, she she's going to be okay. Yeah, I know. I knew she would be. Yeah. I'm, I want to take the last seven minutes we have here. Yep. Uh, big news out of comp train. Yep. This season. And that was the retirement of Ben Bergeron. Yeah. I want to start with what have you learned from Ben in your three years there at comp train? Yeah, it's been really cool. So, um, like so many people, like Ben was, Ben was this guy, this guy on a hill that was, um, Kat's coach and Matt's coach for a minute and with Brooke and like in the documentaries and putting out books and just like so many of us, like just ate it all up and being here, it's really cool because, um, he is authentically, um, who he puts himself out to be. So like you get here and you meet him and behind the scenes, it's not like he's, he's like some tyrant or some, some jerk or anything like that. He is like authentically, what you see is what you get. Um, so that's one thing that has been awesome. And the other is um, just the way that um, he looks at how he professionalizes the sport with working with athletes and, and, and being able to kind of rub shoulders with him and how he approached certain things and how he did certain things and how he looks at um, identifying certain things in certain athletes um, has been really, really cool. So to, to have, um, taken in a lot of the stuff that he had put out for so long and now get to see it behind the scenes. And then even more than that, get to kind of pick his brain and kind of build and develop some stuff together. It's been really cool. Um, it's been really, really cool. And to see him now get to a point in his career where he wants to chase another thing. He's not, he's not going anywhere. He's just redirecting his efforts to the greater community of athletes that we have. It's, it's really cool. So um, it's been awesome to get to do this thing with him. But at the same time, like he's not going anywhere. I'm always going to have a resource if I need it. Uh, paired with that announcement was that Cole was going to be taking over as head coach. Yep. Um, does that affect you or not? No. So um, quick side note, when I was in high school and I was uh, 17 years old, um, there was uh we were going to our final year of baseball and I was a senior on the team and I was going into that season, like ready to go, like so excited. And the one thing I wanted uh, to have going into that was to be the captain of the team. And I was like, this is great. Like I'm going to be the, the captain of the team. I'm one of the rising seniors. I know that like, this is going to be my thing. And then when they announced the captains, it was my good buddy, Casey, um, who we knew was going to be a captain. He had been on the varsity for a number of years. And I was like, Oh, this is even better. It's going to be me and Casey. And then when they announced the other one, it wasn't me. It was a rising junior um, who got named captain. And at first I thought about, I was like, oh no, I was like, I, I had the same thought. I was like, how does this affect me? Am I still able to be like a leader on the team? Am I still able to kind of do the thing that I want to do and still help push this team forward? And at the end of the year, um, I, I found out that like you can still be a leader on a team and still help push something forward and, and work with the other people that you're doing this with in order to maximize and optimize the performance of the team in general. And I've already had a number of conversations with Cole and I cannot wait to be able to do this 
with Cole and follow his lead on where this thing is going to go. Because what I don't think a lot of people realize about Cole is all you see of Cole is the guy who cheers everyone on and works out alone in his garage. But the dude is a maniacal student of the sport, the programming, the science behind it. Like in the same way that um, like Matt was doing his thing in his garage in Vermont or in his basement in in Vermont, like Cole is very similar in that fashion as he's an analytical dude who wants this thing to be driven at a professional level and do it at a really high level. So um, to get to now work alongside with Cole um, and follow his lead on this thing is going to be really, really exciting. Like I said, you're my spirit coach. Um, I was the top swimmer on my team for years and years and years, and I did not get the captainship my senior year. Yeah. You probably handled handled it much more gracefully than I did. My (laughs) attitude was, I am not losing this year. (laughs) So that's the thing, though. Like Something like that can be motivating at the same time, and and it can push you to do a thing. And your response was, and I bet you it helped the team. You win in every race that year. Yeah. And I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't a dick about it either. Like I, I mean, I was a friend to everybody still, but in my mind, I was like, nobody's beating me this year. (laughs) And I I end up winning like all conference honors and all state honors and all that kind of stuff. And I actually ended up winning swimmer of the year um, at my high school. So that's awesome. I, it probably did work, but um, I, I, I applaud your grace. Um, in describing that because I was not so graceful in mine and any chance that and any chance that any person gets to spend any time at all around Cole Sager um, is a good day Um, he has so Cole has the thing about him where when you're talking to him um, he has this ability to block out the rest of the world and make him make you feel like you're really connected and having a conversation with him Um, he's Again, he is authentic as you get on the floor in his interviews and his podcast. Um, Cole Sager is a one out of one human being, um, along with Genesee. And, and it, like Cole is awesome. And if I now get the chance to um, do this a little bit alongside him and learn from him with 10 years in the game and learn a little bit more of his experience in it, how can that not make me a better coach? And then how can that not help me? serve my athletes a little bit better. So I can't wait. I, I agree with you. Every time I've talked to Cole, it, it is just that, Yeah. Every, you know, and I don't know if you know this, I've said it on the show a few times. My mother is convinced that we are related to Cole. <laughs> so my mother, my mother's maiden name is Sager. Oh, really? Yeah. And she is. And if you took a picture of my grandfather and my yep. cousin and put next to Cole, they look like twins. I'll tell you what, I don't know many, I, I don't know many Sagers. So, and she is convinced she last year at whichever one he was at Macker syndicate. Yeah. She made me go up to him and ask if he had relatives on the East coast, <laughs> but she is, she tells everybody that she swears we are related run with it. Cause if you're related to Cole Sager, that basically means you look like Jacob Hepner and Scott Panchik. So just like, let it ride, man. Yeah. You notice I didn't get those jeans. <laughs> not, not many people do in all fairness. Right. Right. Now my grandfather and my cousin 
And my cousin was like one of those freak athletes. Yeah. Never, never put in the work, but was great at everything. Yep. Well, they're um, out there. So, yeah. So he got all of the genes. <laughs> what a hawk. <laughs> so, um, so with that, uh, this has been awesome, man. Yeah. I could keep going. I could keep talking for another half hour. Uh, but as you know, we have a busy docket today. Um, but def- we're definitely going to have to have you back um, and get your insight. I loved your insights into the coaching realm and all of that. And can't wait till next year to see my girl, Sydney back out on the floor. And we'll see you in Madison with Caroline and Lucy. I will. Uh, and hopefully be they'll, a- they'll crush it. It's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to the organized chaos of it all. Yeah. Well, with that, everybody in the chat, thank you for being here. We'll catch everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast. C4 Energy, Extend, and Cellucor are delivering the most effective, best tasting, and highest quality products for you. Get 20% off when you use the code Clydesdale at checkout at C the number four energy.com that's c4energy.com and now back to the interview <laughs>